Welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sal Interdenado. The Black Knight Nation podcast is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a company run, run by Joe Ross, former Army fullback, former Army officer, uh, former Army assistant coach. Joe Ross was on our podcast a few weeks back. If you guys want to check our YouTube channel out, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, take a listen to the uh, Joe Ross podcast. Some very interesting stories uh, from Joe about uh, as a player and also also serving uh, overseas. Um when he was deployed, really appreciate that. Um, tomorrow we're supposed, we're supposed to get Mike VD on tomorrow night, army offensive line coach on our podcast live tomorrow night. And we're also might do a dual podcast two in one night. Troy link, uh, Lindley, former army linebacker from the eighties, uh, late eighties, uh, should be joining us tomorrow night, Thursday night. We may have a surprise former army quarterback, Nate Sassaman may be joining us on Thursday night. And, um, Nate's all, all gung-ho about getting on the podcast with us. So we're hoping to have uh well, we're gonna do four of these uh this week. It's 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 coastal, it's coastal Carolina week, guys. I'm here with Connor Crean of Zero Block 30 Barstool Sports Podcast. Um, I think I got that right this time, Connor. I think I got it right uh this that time. That was good, yep, for sure. Yeah, and uh nailed it. Uh, Brand, uh, Brendan in New Jersey, uh, an army fan who we had on um on a podcast to talk about the best games. Um at Mikey Steam that we've seen. Guys, thanks for joining us. We're going to preview the – this is going to be the season preview for Army. We're going to um, break down the Black Knights, uh, their season opener, their schedule, which we we were talking about earlier before we came on. Um, I just wanted to first maybe get your thoughts. Uh, we'll start with Connor on your your opening thoughts on what the what this season could hold for the Black Knights. Sorry, there's somebody screaming outside my window just now. I didn't want uh, the, it's the, all the vanity lace to, to, to be uh, coming over the, the podcast here. But I'm very optimistic for this year. Looking at the schedule, you know, back in the spring, I was like, all right, that's going to be a tough schedule. But then as I learned more about this year's team that we have, the players that we have coming back, I got more and more optimistic, and as I look at our schedule, top to bottom, there's not a single team on here that I think, ooh, we got to really play like a near-perfect game to, to beat these teams. That's not to say that you know we can ever kind of take a week off, uh, but if you think back to some of the teams we've played in the past where you know the one that comes to mind, Oklahoma 2018, where it's like, all right, we had to go pretty much play a perfect game, and you know obviously we, we still lost – I don't know that that's going to be required. Maybe it will be. We'll see what, what these teams uh, turn out to be. Certainly not underestimating anybody, but I think, <laughs> I think people are making too big of a deal at some of the people that we've graduated and not fully realizing the, the young kids that we have coming up and that they're going to make an impact this year. Uh, so I'm, overall, I'm very optimistic, probably more so than, than some other folks, uh, you know, around army and, and, and some of the fans that, that watch us each and every week. Um, I'm an optimist by nature, but, uh, just, uh, had an opportunity a few weeks ago to, to watch the team work out in the weight room. And I, I mean, maybe I'm jaded now having seen them work out and, and the intensity they brought to that workout and the work ethic that these guys have. And then the leadership that they possess on their team at every position. I'm just, as I said now, 20 times, very optimistic. Brendan, what are your uh, kind of thoughts as we, as we start the podcast? I, I love Connor's optimism. I, I, I support it. I wish I could be right there, but I'm not quite there. 
in the words of Jesse Spano, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Um, I think I, I, I think ultimately the season will play very much the same as last season. Uh, I, I think I think Connor's absolutely right in that there's not a team on the schedule that Army absolutely must play a perfect game to beat, but there are a lot of quality teams, especially in the first four or five games. And, you know, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna require some patience, which I struggle with uh, when it comes to army football sometimes, but you know, they could be two and two after the first four games and still have a special season, or they could be two and two and finish, you know, eight and four. Um, I mean, obviously like it's all good, but um yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I expect I expect a lot of blood the first four or five games. Uh, you know, obviously not. I'm I'm not happy that uh, Sam Hartman's hurt. That sucks for him, but it does make Wake Forest a lot less scary than they were last year. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at for the beginning of the season. Uh, we have James coming in from uh, As for Football. James, thanks for joining us. I uh, really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Sal. No problem. We were hey just guys. getting like opening thoughts pretty much on just what what kind of season we think uh, Army may have. Uh, I, I, we listened to your podcast on the way up to the scrimmage on Saturday, and it was pretty – you got you did a lot of research on the, the fullback position that I want to talk to you about um, later in the podcast. But first off, uh, schedule-wise, what, what do you think of um, maybe – what are your opening thoughts on the, on the season and what it could be? Uh, yeah, you know, very tough start. Um I a lot of times we'll ask uh, on on our fact or fiction on the podcast, you know, will Army be bowl eligible by uh, the Air Force game? Um, that's one of the sort of recurrent, you know, season to season recurring questions. They'd have to win every game. I think uh, they could drop one of the FCS games. Obviously, we hope that won't happen, but they'd have to win every single game to be bowl eligible going into Air Force. Uh, last year, I think it was the Air Force game that made them bowl eligible. Um, if I'm, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but really hard start. I think I said on the podcast, you know, this is a team, uh, they could start two and three and it could still be, you know, a nine win army team, um, 10 win army team. So, uh, r- hard, hard start, but, uh, I, I think we're, at, we're preaching patience uh, on this season. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know I'm- how much patience you're going to need. Quite honestly, I, I would not be surprised if we turn around and we start five and oh. I'm not saying oh. that to sound like overly confident, but I do think we have the team that has that capability. And the th- the hardest part about, you know, talking about a season before you've taken a single snap is also everybody you've played hasn't taken a single snap either. Coastal Carolina, they only have six guys, only six starters coming back. That's not to say that they don't have a lot of experience, uh, you know, coming in at every other position where they're going to fill in with new starters. But, one of their starters, Grayson McCall, you know, the quarterback, sure. But who, who's to say that they don't have some gaping holes that they don't go, I don't know, four, four and eight or, or, or something like that. You know, I mean, I, I don't try to – I, I want to be respectful of all of our opponents. And on paper, yes, I think our first five games are very tough. But I also am not one of these individuals that puts too much stock in the previous season. I only put a very little stock. Mm. Army, 2018, one of our best years in recent memory, and then 2019 happened. It's like, well, that wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. So, I, I you know, I, I've, I've been listening to, to different podcasts, reading different things, 
And quite honestly, I'm getting a little angry seeing it as much negative. I'm going to say negativity that, that I've seen from people and they, they, they mask it as, Oh, we want to be cautious and patience. I see it as negativity. And, you know, maybe again, I'm optimistic and I, I'm a little different uh, because of, you know, my ties to the program, but I, I'd prefer to be, uh, you know, cautious and optimistic than cautious and negative. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. Um, I think the 2018 season is a really good comp. I mean, that year started two and two, right? And yep. it turned out it turned out to be one of the probably the best uh, Army football season in probably in decades. 96 is the only the, the only other one since the 50s, right? That, that was mm-hmm. even close. Um, so. So, yeah. So I, I guess my point is this could be a team. This could be an Army team that starts out two, you know, three and two or two and three and and then runs the table and they're ranked top 20 in the country. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also perfectly plausible that they go four and one or five and oh, I'm not I'm not trying to discount that possibility. Um, I just sort of, am, you know, it's definitely the hardest five games of the schedule or the first five, mm-hmm. in, in, in my opinion. And um, and we'll see where that goes. Yeah, I would just like to see more people saying the five and no as opposed to the two and three. That's all, James. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Connor, I'm gonna throw my stat right in the garbage of the first five games. Army, the teams that Army's playing, they they had 52 wins last year combined. The yeah, my teams. I mean, so those are solid. Those are programs that have done some winning. Minus Texas San Antonio, you know that was their really breakout year. But you know, Coastal Carolina's been on the upward trend. Um, Wake Forest too. Um, Villanova's a tough team. Georgia State, you know, Army had its way with Georgia State in the last time they faced them. You know, is it, it will it be different? I don't know. I think the, watching the team on Saturday scrimmage, right? It was the final scrimmage of, of the preseason. It's hard to tell because it was a controlled scrimmage. If you were in breathing distance of a ball carrier, the whistle was blown. There was no tackling to the gram. There was no Jacoby Buchanan. There was no Tyson Riley. There was very little Isaiah Austin. There was no booby law. So, I mean, we'll see. It was the dress rehearsal, right? But not for everybody. Um, I'm sure they're trying to get those key players to the gate, right? They're trying to get those key players to the starting gate. And I think that first game is going to tell you a lot. I really think the first game will tell you a lot because, you know, you're playing a team that with Coastal Carolina that's going to play with the same amount of energy that Army plays with. That That's what uh, Coastal has been about. I followed them for the last couple of years. And if you can get out of that game with a win and you can get out of the game with like your, your team intact for the most part, then, then you bring it to Texas San Antonio and maybe then you start rolling. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but that's, that's kind of my take on, on it. Uh, Those are kind of my thoughts. Yeah. Again, I would just say, I, I don't know what kind of team Coastal has. I don't, I don't, pay attention to them in the off season. So we'll wait and see. I always say we have a huge advantage. Certainly the other teams do too, given a, an entire preseason to prepare for our t- uh, style of offense, yeah. certainly. Uh, but I, I think it comes down to the type of kid. And I do think we run into a lot of teams that just dismiss us. And they think like, Oh, they're just, you know, a bunch of lower level players and we don't have to worry about them. And that's how we catch a lot of people off guard. I think, I, I think you know, their quarterback throws up a lot of big numbers. He's a great kid, a lot of fun to watch. I think that tends to, you know, put a little fear into other people. Like, uh-oh, he's just going to be able to throw all over Army. Well, I'm sorry. Last I checked, 
we have an All-American, preseason All-American lining up on the defensive side of the ball that, well, he might be able to give that kid some fits. We'll see. He only had 15 and a half sacks last year. I don't know. So, you know, like, uh, again, I respect our opponents. I respect the heck out of them. And, and, and by no means, you know, we've, we've enjoyed success now for the last, uh, you know, six, six years or so. We're certainly not riding 20 years worth of continued success. But I, I'm just so sick and tired of people not giving us our proper due respect. And I think you're starting to see it maybe a little bit, but I still think we're for whatever reason, people don't take us seriously as a program. But meanwhile, you look at the spread, like go to Vegas, the spread's like two and a half, three and a half. So, you know, well, and, and, and sometimes the respect is not the respect you want. It's, Danny White sending uh, Mike Buddy an email saying Tennessee is not going to be playing Army next year, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, so sometimes that respect is there. I think specifically, Sal, with the Coastal game, um, I think a few things. So, the, the, the downside is you have a, a team that has had some recent success with a really talented quarterback. It's a night game. We historically don't do well in those. It's a an opener on the road. We historically haven't done well in those. Um, there's, uh, they run a style of offense that's very similar to uh, maybe a little bit more run heavy rather than pass heavy, uh, but similar to the, the Wake Forest kind of slow mesh, but let the play develop and, um, and see what your options are, which scored 70 points on us last year. So that, that's the downside. The upside, obviously we have Andre Carter coming back. We also have a lot of experience in the backfield. We have a first reg uh, commander and second-year team captain, Markel Broughton, as a safety. We got Jabari Moore coming back for his junior year. There's a lot of experience in the secondary that last year we just didn't have. So I think there's a lot uh, a lot more reason to be excited about the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a much more experienced offense, not that Wake Forest's defense gave our offense any fits. Um, but, I, like – I. I think our team is much more equipped to handle that style of offense this year. Um, It's one of those games just because of where it is, when it is and what it is. It's, it's kind of a crapshoot, but it's a very winnable crapshoot. Yeah. I I remember, uh, I remember heading into last season being uh, very wary about, uh, starting at Georgia State and and then hosting Western Kentucky at home and then the team went two and zero in those games. So I mean, if Army starts two and zero this year, like hold on to your butts. But I, I do think I don't know about externally, but uh, certainly um, internally, a lot of the uh, the negativity, as as uh, as Cons put it, and um, and James, I know you guys kind of did a long discussion about this on your podcast, so I don't want to belabor this, but I think a lot of people are still shell shocked from losing to Navy this past December. Um, and that's, I think that for me is the primary reason why like this, this off season feels completely different for me than any other off season has felt before, because, you know, when you're coming off, when you're coming off a bad season, it's like, okay, well maybe next year will be better. And if you're coming off a good season, then it's like, all right, well, let's see if we can equal that or top it. But um the fact that in the Army Navy game, you know, the the conventional wisdom is like, oh, throw out the records in a rivalry game. That hasn't really been the case in in that game really since 2000. Large, largely, the better team coming in has won the game, 
And I just think we expected that to play out again. And so I, I find myself just like, you know, I want to believe I like, I, I want to be where, where Connor's at and, and feeling good about things, but just like, I'm still very much shell shocked from, uh, you know, sitting in the stands and, and having that experience that it, it keeps, I, I, I do. I, I think James is absolutely right. I think the defense is something to watch. I, I do. Uh, the the hype around Carter makes me nervous. I don't know, like anything that makes it harder for Army to sneak up on people. I, I'm not a fan of. Um, We're gonna have a hell of yeah. a defensive line though, because everyone's gonna be keying in on Carter. Right, not, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. and, and you know what? Like, I'm not worried about middle linebacker though, because they seem to have a factory with that. But go ahead, go ahead, guys. I was just gonna say, I I, I think you know there there was not gonna be any hiding Andre, you know, aside from just his size. But there was going to be no hiding him, and I do think I would agree with James. You you double team him, and and you game plan for him, and and now maybe Bonsu is able to step up and and have a bigger year because he's not getting the attention, but but he's still uh, you know a heck of a player. And and Brendan, to your shell shock comment, I would just say I think where we've turned the corner as a program and as a culture is what happened the next game. When we came in and we played a more talented, top to bottom, more talented, more stars, more ratings on their team than us, and we beat them, you know, close game. But we, and, and the, the way that we beat them for us to have to come in with a kid who was cold off the bench and lead a game-winning drive and then for a kicker to make a 40-plus yard field goal in a bowl game, so that's why, you know, yeah, losing a Navy stunk. It, it was a pit in my stomach. But for us to bounce back the way that we did against Missouri in that bowl game, I, you know what? I'm, I'm telling you, stop thinking about the, the past and, and and be optimistic about the future. I, I like I want to go back to this. I'm not going to divulge too much, but I watched these kids work out. And I'm not too prideful to admit, like, we didn't work out like that. When I was there, guys that I know that had good teams in the '90s, good teams in the '80s, they told me as well. Like mm, we didn't work out like that. It's it's a different program now. Uh, you know, starting with Coach Munkin, as we know, all the way down to uh, you know the 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 freshman, the plebe manager. Everybody's different. So I would personally say, don't worry about what happened last year in Navy because that is not even in anybody's mind going into this Coastal game. No, I think um, it was Josh uh, Lingenfelter today talked about the team. They want to change a little bit of the mentality of the team after that Navy game, and they want to get to know each other a little bit better and find out what makes each other tick, so to speak, and they've gotten closer in preseason camp. And you can see it a little bit on the field and, and the scrimmages and stuff because you got some groups where you have an experienced guy like Josh Lingenfelter, who's played the last couple of years. And you have like guys who are moving from linebacker or defensive line um, as a second or third string tight end. And he's got to, you know, he's got to show them what's right. And I think that when you have leaders like Markel Broughton and Connor Bishop, who are both within the cadet command of the core cadets um, leading the team, I think you have one on each side. Last year, you had all defensive guys, right? This year you have, the, st the starting center and the starting safety, the quarterback of the defense and the quarterback of the offensive line leading this team. And I think that could that could be a big difference for this team this year. I'm not saying the leadership last year. I thought the leadership was fantastic last year. I'm not saying anything. It could just this is a different team than last year. This is a team that's going to rely more 
on all 11 on defense, right? I mean, yeah, they have Carter and Broughton and more, but they have some guys who I think a guy who's going to be really surprising people. He's talking about the double teams on Carter is a guy like Nate Smith. Nate Smith has been a situational guy most of his career, maybe third down passing situations. I think Nate Smith and uh, Kobina Bonds, who said him and Nate Smith have been working out together. They've been practicing together. I think that Nate Smith, he's a senior. I think that he could have a pretty impactful year, and it's a guy who saw spot time last year. So I think that there's a lot, like these guys said, there's a lot to be to look forward to this team. I was thinking that defense might have the most question marks, but now that I think about it, I mean, I, th- I think that, that th- guys like Nate Smith, guys like like Leo Lowen, who came on really strong at the end of last year, he was everywhere um, on defense uh, toward the end of the season, making a lot of tackles, getting involved in plays. I think, you know, I think a guy to watch is Calvin Crummy because he's going to replace Eric Smith. He's a sophomore. He's a young guy, but he's built like Eric, and they think he, he has the instincts like Eric. So that that's a guy to watch for their defense. But, um, James, maybe we could go to the offense a little bit. And you could talk about the fullbacks and you did some research about the fullbacks. And I thought it was pretty, uh, the one stat that you had last year. So I don't, how many carries did the fullbacks have last year for army? I'm guessing over 200, Uh, right? I don't Uh, have the bunch, but only two of them went for negative yardage last year. Yeah. It was like two or three. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. So we know about Jacoby Buchanan, how he's never been stopped for a a loss in his career, right? Running the football. And we know that, you know, Tyson Riley's back and just how important the fullback is to the offense. And, and you did some, and you, you did some research on that. Maybe you could. Yeah, I, I just pulled it up. Uh, so I can't promise I got every single, um, every single fullback dive. I basically just took the four main fullbacks from last year mm-hmm. um, and recorded all theirs. If, you know, if it was a throwaway game or whatever, and they had their eight string in, um, I, I probably missed it, but um, yeah, only two, um, only two went for negative yards. One went for minus three, uh, and one went for minus one. I think that minus three was a, a botched uh, handoff that the fullback fell on three yards behind or something. Um, but but yeah, only two. So that it's less than half a percent of uh, fullback dives go for negative yards. Um, and then I sort of structured it as, okay, what percentage get, go for a certain amount of yardage? Um, I think the average, by the way, was 4.3. Median was three. Um, so that three to four yards is, is what you're expecting. And as, we, as I said on, on our podcast, um, you'll hear them advertise that like three yards is a tie and four yards is a win um, for the offense, like winning each play. Uh, which is pretty consistent with those numbers. Three keeps keeps you moving, but it doesn't doesn't really get you anything. Um, you're just you're in the same situation you were in, just one down later, right? Whereas getting four is a net positive for your uh, for your chances of getting that first down. Uh, but uh, so I, I got it right here. So ninety ninety nine point sorry, excuse me, ninety six percent of all fullback dives go for positive yardage. So uh, 4% either go for no yards or uh, negative yards. And then 96% go for positive. Uh, you got 85, uh, 84% get at least two yards, 60% get at least three yards, and 37% gets uh, at least, or 38% gets at least four yards. Um, 
and then obviously there, there. I think we had one go for seventy-one yards or a couple of thirty-plus yards on top of that. I think the big thing we were going, uh, we were trying to to spell out is just that the fullback dive is a great tool to push a decision one play to the right if you need to. Um, it's it's consistent. It doesn't have as much upside as the other plays as as a as if the quarterback went to the outside. Um, and we like to see a lot more option calling from the quarterback, you know, in time. But um, that's just not the reality of how play calling works nowadays. Uh, there's there's a lot of things that are called from the from the sideline, um, and the fullback dive is a great way to just push that decision one down to the right. You're not going to get a whole lot of big yardage plays, um, but you're going to get very few negative and, and no no gain plays. Yeah, I was um think I was gonna. I was thinking before this podcast, my, my the play calling with the offense this year, I thought maybe had to be a little bit less predictable. Uh, I know you have all the stats with the fullbacks, but I think that you don't have four four fullbacks that are proven this year, right? You have Buchanan and you have Tyson Riley, and you have a bunch of sophomores that are looking to prove themselves. You know, so I figure, you know, you have these slotbacks who are playmakers. You came. You got Tyler uh, Tyrell Robinson, Ajon Marshall, Brahim Murphy, Maurice Ballon, who's moved from quarterback to slot. Cole Catterbone is a slot back wide receiver. Isaiah Austin's got this big play capability. Can you run the ball sixty percent of the time with your fullback against in, in in these in these tough games? You know, I think maybe it's. I, I say it all the time. I think it got me blocked. Maybe. I think it got me blocked on Twitter by somebody, but I think you got to, you got the, you got the, these athletes, Connor, I don't know how you feel, but you got these athletes. I get it. It's in your structure to pound the football and, you know, wear down the defense. But at some point you can't just have like Isaiah Austin sitting around blocking on the outside. You can't have Tyrell Robinson. Hey, you know, we're going to run on the inside with, with Tyrell, I, I just think you got to get these guys the ball a little bit more this year. Yeah, I, so I think clearly we we know what Jacoby's capable of. I think you're going to see, I think you're really going to see Tyson Riley break out this year. I think he is the most talented of of the the running backs in that room. Obviously, you have you know Mike Vitti who moved over to the offensive line to coach them, but it's it's not like he he left that room with with a bare cupboard. So I think you're going to see some other kids just by the sheer uh, nature of the game, they're going to need to rotate more players in. We'll see one or two more establish themselves. I don't know who it's going to be, but I, mm. I would I'm not going to be surprised when we we start to hear one or two more names coming out of that B-back position and really establishing them, themselves as a player that we can rely on to get that three yards when we really need it. To your point about the these other players, I absolutely agree. I, I absolutely agree. I love seeing all those kids you mentioned. I love seeing them touch the ball. There's a reason, you know, that Tyrell every time he touches the ball, something special can potentially happen. Uh, you know, I, I think this is the year he finally takes a kickback, uh, whether that's a punt or a, or a, a kickoff. I think he's going to take at least one to the house. Certainly, I think the the, the best thing that Isaiah Olsen did was changed from number 86 to number 11 because now wearing number 11, that's just science. That's football. Everybody knows if you wear a better number, you play better. So he's going to be better this year wearing number 11 uh, product of uh, Carteret, New Jersey. 
uh, the great town of Carteret there in New Jersey. But I, I, I think what we've all done, and I think this is, you know, a product of success is we all want more success. We all want a few more wins. We want to get those wins. So we might get a little critical and I I'm just, I'm never going to criticize coach Davis because number one, I've never sat in that position and tried to offensively coach a game and, and call a game. So I'll never be critical of his play calling. Uh, I, I think he does a phenomenal job calling plays. Nobody's perfect. Uh, certainly, you know, we, we saw this past weekend, Scott Frost, he made some calls. He said in the presser afterwards, he's like, oh, I'd like to have a few of those back. So you can always second guess, but how many times did, did plays work out that maybe shouldn't have? Uh, and it looks like he called the greatest play ever when in fact, like maybe somebody on the defense screwed up and they should have stopped the play. So I think you can, you can do the, the ifs and the buts all the time. Uh, but I'm, I'm not going to be critical of coach Davis. I think he's a phenomenal coach. You know, we've scored a lot of points, gotten a lot of yards. It's, it's not an accident that we've led or been in the top three rushing teams in the country year in and year out every year. Uh, so I think it would be foolish of, of folks to, to be critical of them, you know, granted, you know, everybody has their own opinion and they're entitled to that. Uh, but you know, in answer to your question, Sal, I hope all those players you mentioned, all those playmakers, uh, you know, can get some touches this year and do some special things. Is there enough footballs for everybody? I don't know. We'll see. Guys, if you're watching us right now, uh, if you have any uh, comments or questions or predictions, feel free to send uh, send them in. Um, you know, I was t- Tyson Riley, you were talking about, right, Connor? If mm-hmm. you walk by Tyson Riley right now, how big he is? He looks like an offensive lineman, but it's he ridiculous. looks like an athletic guy. You know, he, yeah. he's so big right now, and I think it's not big in a bad way for that position. I think it's big in a good way. He looks like he's – Wow, I don't know. Almost like an NFL tight end size to a point. And it's just like and, – and we we know he has the athletic skills. It's just a matter of – if Tyson can stay healthy, like you said, that, that breakout season could be right there for him. I mean, it pretty mm-hmm. much has – It really, he's going to get all the opportunities to have the breakout season, I think, behind Jacoby. I mean, I think they're going to share the load a little bit. A guy that to watch at, at the fullback position is a sophomore named A.J. Williams. Um, he's been banged up a little bit. But he's he's a big physical kid. He's a guy that they were high on when they got him in recruiting. I believe he's out of Florida. So if he can get healthy, I think AJ Williams is a guy to watch. And also, um, Hayden Reed's been pretty good in the preseason so far for a freshman. He was at mm-hmm. the prep school. They like they like him a lot. I think he's going to be an assignment sound guy at fullback, meaning he's not going to do too much. He's just going to try to get the yard, grind the yards up the middle when his number is called. And I think those are the guys you're looking at. There's a couple other guys. Jarrell Dixon um, is a guy who got a lot of carries in the preseason. Uh, preseason. And also uh, Markel Johnson, I think he's a little banged up. He had a good spring. So those are guys to watch out for for fullbacks. And um, maybe, maybe we could talk a, a little bit about the offensive line and uh, what they have coming back. Um, James, maybe um, you know Connor Bishop, Booby Law, and Connor Fanukin are the main guys coming back. Um, and you got some guys that are – Shane Buckingham is a really interesting story. I mean, he's a, he's a guy who was a quarterback in high school and uh, led his team, I believe to like at least a section deep into the playoffs his senior year army recruited him as a tight end. Now he's like a six, four, 290 pound tackle, you know, and yeah. now he's probably the starting right tackle right now as we speak. So, I mean, maybe, maybe a little bit of insight on the offensive line, if you have it. 
Uh, yeah, so just, I mean, having three of five starters return on any line is great news. Um, that's to start out. Second, um, you know, one of the things Munkin said in one of his interviews was that when VD left the fullbacks position, he, he left it with a culture um, that made it so that even though he wasn't there, it was going to be an effective position group, right? He just he does that with what he's coaching. Um, now that he's moved to O line, um, I'm really excited to see um, how that O line works together. Um, I think it's going to be a really cohesive room. Um, I, I, I expect to see a lot of things. I mean, y- you see these things a lot with Army football, but specifically with the offensive line, I, I expect to see you know teammates getting on each other, working together, coaching themselves. Um, I think that's going to be a really good unit this year. Um, obviously, you have a team captain as the center. Uh, that that certainly helps. Uh, obviously, and as we said, the, the three starters and, and promising uh, players in in positions where uh, you know, in, in well, one guard and one tackle, uh, where you're not returning a starter. Um, so I think it's going to be a really effective unit. I'm really excited. Um, I think last year. There was a little bit of, especially towards the end of the year, um, some reads where you could see the defense was reading the offensive line, was getting to the quarterback before he could even, you know, give a handoff to the fullback, which is super fast. Uh, just a couple of drop plays like that. Um, I expect to see a lot less of that this year with, you know, with Mike Vitti at the helm. Yeah, I think you can't emphasize that enough, the the difference that that Mike, Coach Vitti, brings into that that position. It really is. I mean, when I'm always, uh, you know, fascinated when I listen to not just Coach Munkin, but any coach in the preseason, and they all kind of have, I think, by and large, a lot of canned answers. They're not going to really tell you much of anything, and they're going to, you know, say, "Oh, we need to work on this," and you know, you've you've all heard all the cliches. So for for Coach Munkin to to single out Mike and talk about culture, I I think is a very uh, telling characteristic trait. Uh, for Mike. Um, and the other thing I would say about the offensive line is that just by the nature of our offense, uh, and, and Brennan, check me if I'm wrong here, even our guys who aren't stars, we have a lot of guys that have taken snaps in a game. So when you're not just coming in for that first snap against Coastal Carolina, and you you know you've already gotten those butterflies out of your stomach for taking your first collegiate snap in a real deal game and not a scrimmage, that goes a long way. So even though we are only returning three starters, those other two positions are going to be filled with guys who have taken a good amount of snaps. Uh, and we, I think, are going, you know, I don't want to knock on wood. I don't want to jinx anything. I think we're going to be pretty deep on the offensive line. Um, and and I think that's just a testament to, to kind of what James was saying about how these guys are, are coaching each other up and, and, and staying on one another. And I think it'll be one of our better position groups this year. Yeah, I think that um, a guy like Sam Barzak, who played a lot, I believe, in the UConn game last year, he's a guy who's a senior. Um, Bo Lombardi is a guy who's another guy who was a quarterback in high school in Iowa, and he's now a, you know, a tackle, I believe. Like He might be a second-string tackle. He's a junior. He's another name to watch there. Um, Connor um, and James, I was at the second practice of the preseason this year and watch Mike Vitti for about 15, 20 minutes coach the offensive line. And I said in a po- earlier podcast with Steve Anderson, the co-host here, 
if you are not inspired by Mike Vitti, then you don't belong in the game of football because that was, it was just incredible. His work. I did a mic'd up with Mike Vitti. I did a quick video. It's like amateur hour video by me with just a bunch of clips that I put together on iMovie, but it's on our YouTube channel. If you watch that a little bit and just see for five seconds, what he's going to be able to do with the offensive line that was working with the younger guys too. That wasn't even working with the veterans. I mean, I think you're, I think it's a good, it's a great move for, for army. I think that having um, Blake powers in that fullbacks coach too. And he kind of knows a lot about, you know, he, he's a guy who played quarterback at Indiana. You know, he's a guy who played quarterback at Indiana, then, um, then went into the army and then came back as a, um, in admissions for West Point, and now is his first year as a as a college coach. But I expect that fullbacks room too under Blake Powers to be disciplined too, no doubt. So you know, and yeah. then off of VD too. I'm sure those those fullbacks and um you know offensive linemen may go out to to dinner or hang out a bunch too. You know, just to just to get that cohesiveness too going. Um, I think we touched on a lot. Like um, we talked on the defense a lot. I don't know. James, All right, there- Sal, let me just jump in real quick because I, I just want to emphasize something about Blake Powers because I've gotten a chance to spend a, a good deal amount of time Absolutely. with him the last few years that he's there and just uh, just quell anybody's concern that he, he's not going to know. As you mentioned, the guy, you know, played football at uh, Indiana and then, you know, he's a, a battle-tested infantry officer. So if you're worried about our fullbacks – having uh you know a toughness problem let me just put that to bed for you right now because that won't be an issue in that room he's very much student of the game knows the game very well and they will not miss a beat as far as position when it comes to putting their hand in the dirt and just running the ball hard like they have been for the last few years and 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 continuing to be a a very steady uh position for us and I, i think I have all the faith in the world in Blake that he's going to do a great job with our fullbacks. No doubt. We had a Blake on our podcast um, before the preseason started. Um, if you want to get to know Blake a little bit better, um, just uh, do a search black eye nation and Blake powers uh, for on YouTube. And you'll find that that was, a, that was a really great, good interview we had with Blake. Um, James, I was just going to ask you about maybe a player that you think might be able to have a breakout season for army. I have a couple in mind. I just want – is there anybody off the top of, of your head that you come – and uh, Brent, uh, Brendan, for you too, is there any – and Connor too, is there anybody off the top of your head that could have a breakout season for Army this year? Um, it, it's kind of a – I don't know. I think it's a good answer. Kubina uh, Bonsu. Um, he – not that he wasn't a – a very good player for us last year um, because he was obviously the, the touchdown recovery. Um, was it him or who? Um, no, no, it was Booby Law, the touchdown recovery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, Kubina uh, Bantu came up big. I think he had a couple of big plays in that Air Force game. Um, but he, uh, I just feel like with all the attention that Carter's getting, Somebody is gonna is gonna be the new Nolan Cockrell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, somebody's gonna be that guy that when they decide to double team Carter, you know they're gonna make him pay. Um, and Kobina Bonsi is very talented. Um, he seems like a really smart player, um, and I just think he could easily become that that player that um, that picks up that slack. Yeah. 
And uh, Brendan, I'll let you go. I just want to say one thing about Andre Carter. Everything I've heard, he's the perfect kid to be getting all this attention that he's getting because he's handled it with a lot of grace. He's very humble. It's not going to his head. So, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's staying very much uh, locked in. And, um, you know, I think there's a concern sometimes when you're dealing with young kids and then, you know, the, the level of attention. I don't think we've gotten anybody on Army who's gotten that level of attention um, probably probably since Dawkins, you know? <laughs> so There's, a, there's an NFL the scout at every practice, Connor. There's yeah. an NFL scout at every practice watching them. So, yeah, there practice. you go. So, yeah. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Brennan, with who you think. Uh, I'm looking forward to slot back slash wide receiver Cole Catterbone maybe being a Debo Samuel type for this team, uh, especially with uh, certainly, you know, the fullback and QB. And, um, you know, we have uh, at least one kind of star at slot back to take up people's attention. I think Cole Catterbone could be a real kind of clutch third down guy for uh, this offense this season. Nice. Um, Go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say, I think, you know, I think – Lingenfelter could potentially, you know, depending on how they, they, they work him into the, the rotation um, could, could certainly have a nice year. He's a great size kid moves well, blocks well, which obviously is important, but he's also got, uh, you know, good, good ability to get out in spacing and, and catch the ball. Uh, and then one that I think I have one more breakout and then I have a, a question mark, but my breakout also, I think might surprise some people. Cole Talley. I think okay. Okay. he, 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 with the way he finished last year, uh, I think he's going to come into this year with a lot of confidence. And I think obviously confidence is, is good for any position, but I think uh kicker it's imperative because those guys spend a lot of time on themselves doing whoever knows what specialists do when the rest of the team is practicing and they're all, you know, a little different. And I have plenty of friends who are specialists, so I'm not, embarrassed to say that and they would probably agree with me um but you know everything i hear about him is that he's 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 a great kid i i watched him work out he's you believe it or not he is a leader in the weight room which i don't think you see often from uh kickers and punters they kind of just go about their day and uh, as i said just stand off to the side and and do their own thing but he is a leader in the weight room so i i expect to see some some good things out out of cole this year um, and then, you know, on the flip side of that, I just want to see we've been spoiled with an amazing punter. And I think especially with the type of offense that we've run, we've seen how important it can be to have a punter who can flip the field for us and and really play defense for us by, you know, forcing another team to go great distance. So hopefully whoever is named the starting punter uh, can uh, get the job done. Billy well, Bulky, thing, I think his oh. name is Billy Bulky, yeah. Yeah, Billy Bulky. So he's the only non-freshman. I think he's a sophomore. He's either a sophomore or a junior. Um, he's a junior, yeah. Thanks. Junior, yeah, yeah. So he's obviously the name just because he's been there the longest. Uh, before, uh, what's his name? The old prep school coach, uh, Andy uh, Wolfram. Andy Wolfram, yeah. Yeah. I had a conversation with him uh, while he was still at the prep school, and he, he couldn't tell me the name, but he said there was a really promising punter coming out of the prep school um for this season um so obviously one of those plebes um yeah uh, played last year for them i think that um you got you got matt matthew Rhodes, who's a true sophomore he's a base he was a good baseball player at high school he's like a zach harding clone like six five like 220 he's number two right now and i think the guy you're talking about is cooper allen and i watched 
Yeah, I watched Cooper Allen punt a couple times. I know Cooper Allen is a guy that's worked out a lot before he got to West Point, before he got to our day, a lot on his punting. I think that he's a guy that could be right in the mix. I think he's probably number three on the de- – if there is a number three punter on the depth chart, it's Cooper Allen, you know. Um, I want to p- give you my uh, breakout possible breakout players. And then I'm the, the worst host in podcast history for not bringing up the quarterbacks yet in a podcast 44 minutes in. You know, so we got a couple questions from our, our people that are watching right now. Real quick, my players to watch on the offensive side, Ajon Marshall. Ajon Marshall was getting it all together at the end of the last season. And he was doing it on offense. He was doing it on special teams. He was down in punts against in the bowl game. Um, Darnell Wolfolk was on our podcast way back, and he coached the prep school team when Ajon Marshall was there. And he told me that Ajon Marshall was every bit as good as Tyrell Robinson. And now Ajon Marshall has a full – last year he didn't get to – uh, practice in the preseason, I don't believe. So now he has a full spring, a full preseason, and this guy's going to be the starting slot back right alongside Tyrell Robinson. He caught a touchdown pass, I believe, against Wake Forest. I could be wrong, but he caught a touchdown pass during the season last year. He's getting more involved in the offense. Watch watch for Ajon Marshall. Connor, you're going to like my next pick. Um, he's a Jersey guy from Irvington, Bo Nicholas Paul. Bo Nicholas Paul has just mm-hmm. got that swag. Bo mm-hmm. Nick Paul, let's see. I watched Bo Nicholas Paul in the, in the preseason scrimmages. He's played in two scrimmages. He's recovered a fumble in each of the scrimmages. He's a that was on defense and it was on special teams. He's around the ball. They're going to play him, I believe, um, at Nickelback. I believe he's mm-hmm. going to be the Nickelback when he's not playing corner. And I think Bo Nicholas Paul. I'm going to write a. Maybe it's because I'm writing a story on him that's going to appear on our website pretty soon. But he has a good story about growing up in Irvington. Um, a single mom who put who put um, worked really hard to get her three kids through, and he says every day he plays for his family, and every day you could see that in him. You could see uh, he had a a clip, what last spring, not even this spring, a clip about Army football that got. He, he's just he has it, and I think that he's good. He's been working out with Markel Broughton a lot um, in the preseason and in the summertime. Bo Nicholas Paul is my defensive player to watch. Um, now we can get to the quarterbacks finally, I guess, you know, and uh, uh, here's Andrew S asking it is uh, T2 Tyre Tyler, the, cons- the consensus uh, QB one um, coach Munkin has said, right. That he's not um, opposed to playing two quarterbacks like last year. He's not opposed to getting Cade Ballard into the game too. I think he said that Cade Ballard is going to play against Coastal Carolina. I think he even said that at a recent press conference. So maybe um, just get your guys' thoughts about the quarterback situation. It's a little bit different than last year when you had Christian Anderson, Tyre Tyler, and then you had Jabari Laws too, um, and even Jamel Jones a little bit too. So maybe uh, maybe start with James on what, what you think about the quarterback situation. Um, I don't uh... – <laughs> I don't really think there's a QB one position in army. Um, there's a guy who starts the first offensive play uh, as quarterback, but um, to call him QB one is, is uh, it, it, it's disingenuous. Um, the, I, I think Tyre Tyler will start the first snap uh, under center. Um, I, I don't think there's a lot of thought that that won't happen. Um I think they like Tyler because even though he might get half a yard less than somebody else uh, play to play, 
Um, he's a lot more likely to break out. He's slippery. He is very fast, and he can get those 30 to 50-yard plays a lot more often than a guy like Cade Ballard. Uh, now, Cade Ballard is a bruiser, and he's going to get you that extra half yard on every damn play every single game. Um, but you're losing a little bit of your upside potential to get that. Um, I'm a huge Cade Ballard fan. I have been advocating for him since he was a freshman, and he was instrumental in that uh, road game against UTSA, um, which, you know, they were down to QB five or whatever in in that game. Um, Huge Cade Ballard fan. I think he's a great decision maker when it comes to the triple option. I think you saw it in that UTSA game. Um, I just think they, they, they purchase for the cost of a little less each play. They purchase that upside potential with, with T2. What are your thoughts, Connor? So, I think at this point, if you're going to name a QB1, I think Tahir Tyler has earned that distinction. You know, anytime you got a kid from Bad News, Virginia, you got a good player, I think. Uh, And I think the kid has done enough, more than enough, and I think he's earned the respect that if we're going to call someone QB1, it's going to be him. But I do agree that we will see some other players. I, I think specifically Ballard. I, I think when I watch Ballard run the offense, he looks like if you drew it up on a you know in, in a computer game, it's like this is how you run a triple option offense. He kind of just looks like he's doing it right all the time. And that's not to say the other guys aren't doing it right. He just kind of looks like. He knows what to do each and every time. That that might not be true, but he, that's that's what it appears to be for me. And then, again, you have Jamel Jones, who's also taken a lot of snaps. So I think, again, that's another position where I think we're deeper than, than people are giving us credit for. And certainly Christian had a great year last year, and he will be missed. The fact that he was able to battle back from injury, and he played so well for us in, in, in so many different games and – he was like, you know, it was fun to watch because he was sneaky. And then all of a sudden he'd find a little crease and then that big stride would take him to the end zone. He was fun to watch. And I was, you know, I I like to just read other people that have no affiliation to army and what they're saying. And everybody thinks there's this big question mark for us at quarterback. And I don't feel that at all. I'm very comfortable with uh, any number of guys that that are going to take snaps for us this year. Uh, And I think that's also another position where we'll see how some games shake out. Uh, and, and we might see some other newer names uh, emerge as as folks who can take snaps for us if need be. But I, I do think you're looking at Tiger Tyler, Jamel Jones, and, and Cade Ballard, and, and no particular order other than I do think Tiger Tyler takes those the, the first snaps uh, each and every game, and then it kind of just based on game plan goes from there. Brendan, what do you think about the quarterback uh, situation for the Black <laughs> So, so I'll be totally honest. The QB rotation drives me up the wall. Um, I know they've won a lot of games doing it the past couple of years, but uh, especially doing it within drives, it just like it drives me crazy because I know uh, unless you're swapping centers as well, that you know that exchange is is slightly different, like with each guy. So I just I don't know. I don't like. I feel like I feel like that's looking for uh, an edge in the wrong place. But anyway. I think I think Taylor's the number one guy because the staff likes him personally. I will happily sacrifice upside, as James calls it, um, for more tricks in the bag. 
Um, you know, I mean, I know it was a different time, a different game, different coaching staff, but if you go back to like Ronnie Makeda or even like Rick Roper, like those guys were operators and yes, they were option QBs, but they were QBs, you know, they put up more passing yards than rushing yards. I, you know, I, I don't need like a one-to-one ratio on that, but I, I would definitely much prefer a guy who has more tricks in the bag as opposed to relying on some idea of, uh, of potential or upside. Uh, I, I like to take what's in front of me rather than um, what could be, but that's just, you know, that's my philosophy. That's clearly not how the coaching staff looks at things, but um, I do, you know, I hope we, you know, I hope I'm wrong and I hope, we, well, I don't know. This is, no, that's, this, that's, this, that's, this, yeah. I mean, I mean, this discussion is less about right or wrong, but you know, I, I, like, obviously I, I, I think that's fair. Like I'm I think not, that's like, fair. I, like I'm not. I'm not. Like I'm not rooting for anybody to fail. You know. I just want to make that clear. You know. Yeah. No. But I think that's fair. Like you know, why wouldn't you want just one guy who who you know is just going to take every snap? I think that's a little more unsettling to know that you know guys are going to shuffle in and out. But I think the way we have to look at it is the, just the way you would shuffle in and out like a receiver or a running back. I think that's just the way our offense lends itself that we're able to shuffle those guys in and out and they do enough work with the centers and the different exchanges where we don't have those problems. So although my inclination is to agree with you and I would love if it just one guy did it all, I'm not, I'm, I'm comfortable with those other kids that we've mentioned. Cause I think they've also proved that they can uh, get the job done. And uh, just real quick shout out to Rick Roper. <laughs> he was one of my instructors. Great guy. He's a, he's a friend. Uh, And I guess, you know, the play-by-play announcer in the stadium would always say, Roper on the keeper. So every time we would walk into class, me and uh, Pete Beer, we would just say, Roper on the keeper, every time we walked into class. And I'm pretty sure he hated it, but we we didn't stop, regardless of him hating that. It was fun for us. So I'll I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate, um, just because I think uh, maybe it's misunderstood what they're trying to do. Uh, First, uh, like – the whole switching out quarterbacks, traditional skill positions, um, you don't want them to get cold, right? You, ha- you have a passing quarterback. You want that mm. arm to stay warm, right? Mm-hmm. You have a wide receiver. You don't want that wide receiver coming out after, you know, sitting, not doing anything, trying to make um, very particularly skill- skillful catches, right? Uh, running backs are a little bit different. Um, yeah, you want their legs to be warm, but – it's not like they're doing something uh, where they need pinpoint accuracy. It's a lot of toughness. And yes, there's some, there's skill involved. um, But a lot of it is natural skill or skill that you've built up by practicing. It's not um, skill that you get by staying warm. Um, And because we run the offense that we do, our quarterbacks are just essentially another running back. Um, so you don't need to have that hot arm stay in the game. And in fact, when we do pass almost by definition, their arms going to be cold. So <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no need to, you know, to keep a quarterback in all the time. I, I even think it would, might be a good idea at least to try it out. I don't know in a scrimmage or whatever, or against an FCS team to treat them like they do the fullbacks, right? Send the guy in for a play with fresh legs, ready to bulldoze, with a fresh play call they've been thinking about for 30 to 40 seconds because it was play, you know, because, because they've been briefed up on it on the sidelines, go in and do it. Now, obviously if, if the play call changes based on the result of the play, that that's different, but regardless, they still have time to think about it. They're not worrying about the current play when they can be thinking about their next play. 
James, uh, I'm going to devil's yeah. advocate your devil's okay. advocate. <laughs> go right ahead. As a quarterback, if you go in with a decision in your head made up, before that ball is snapped, I think that more often than not is going to end in disaster and you're going to make the wrong decision because you're just going to either go the wrong way, throw the ball to the wrong person, or you're going to get so frozen because your brain starts to overwork that it's not going to end well. So right. I, I see so, what so you're saying. Not, but I also think that a lot of times mistakes happen with our quarterbacks when they don't have enough time to process stuff between plays. I, I don't, I mean, it's something that hasn't been done. Right. So if they tried it out in a practice and like, it goes horribly, then it goes horribly. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I do kind of like the idea of having another set of fresh legs um, under center. Right. Like that's, we do that with our fullbacks all the time. All, like every play the fullback comes out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying <laughs> it, it, it's worth exploring. And I understand why they like switching guys out so much because you're not really you're not really paying that much switching them out. It's not like you're you're losing a you know a warm skill player. I don't know if they have the quarterbacks to do that this year the the way you might. I mean they have three Connor like you said they have three right and they have Bryson Daly coming up who's a sophomore who um is a physical guy right he's like two fifteen he's a bigger kid so maybe there's your there's your fullback type James there. Um, they're about four deep right now at quarterback. Uh, is that enough to do what you want to do? Probably. I, I don't know. Maybe they, they, they do it with three to four fullbacks um, yeah. pretty consistently. I, I, and again, I, I'm not advocating for this. I'm just saying like um, it's not, it's not the same switching out quarterbacks in our offense is not the same as having two quarterbacks at like a power five school. Yeah. The only other thing I will say about uh, Tyler he hasn't grown height wise, but he has put on some weight. So it, it's it's quite plausible that, you know, in, in years past where he might have lost that extra half yard, he might be able to fall forward this year and, and get a, a few extra hard fought yards. Uh, and also, I think I think his passing improved as the year went on last year. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure he worked on it this offseason. And, uh, you know, he could be, he could be, very different under center for us this year than he has been in the years past. Uh, so again, I'm going to give that kid the benefit of the doubt. He's, he's more than earned that in my opinion. He's the guy who obviously threw the ball around in high school a little bit. Right. And also um, the best pass I seen him uh, throw was in the bowl game, the Brandon Walters um, that that play was pretty big in the bowl game against Missouri. Uh-huh. So that showed that, Hey, um, give him some time. He can, he can get some stuff done. I think the one thing I worry about a little bit with the Army quarterbacks, and this might be an NFL thing, is the height, right? When they're going against some decent size offensive lines, you got Tyre, maybe, you know, 5'8, five, 5'9, five, Cade, 5'8, five, 5'9. Five, so that's the only thing I worry about. Maybe the protection, but I mean, for the most part, Army's not really sitting in the pocket too much in their passing, right? They're getting yeah. the ball out pretty quick. So what am I thinking there? And I, I mean, you, you get the ball, you get quick slant to Isaiah Austin, or you get the ball out to the to slot backs like we talked to before, and you got to have the passing game there. That's where Chris, I was texting an Army fan earlier tonight. And, guys, I'm just going to – full disclosure, I, say, I said that Army fans are going to really miss Christian Anderson this year. The ability that he was able to throw the ball pretty much around the field for them last year can Cade and 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 Tahir do that? That's one of my questions on offense. Can they can they make well, the well, Cade, 
respectable. You know? Cade, certainly. I mean, he was Mr. Football in Tennessee, top mm-hmm. 10 all-time Tennessee high school passer. You know, the dude was a stud, never lost a game as a starter, still hasn't lost a game as a starter. Um, the, the dude is, is, a, is a stud. He can pass. I, I, got, I got no um, – no, no question in my mind about that. Dude, I'm not disagreeing, but his passing in college football games is a really small sample size. It's a really small sample size. So this is a year we're going to see. Um, I, I, you, there's a lot of faith in Cade, but I want to see I want to see in the, if he's going to come in and they're going to change it a little bit of the offense when he comes in against Coastal, I want to see that the first couple of passes and see how they are because that's just, Christian was very good at that last year. Very, very good. I don't have his stats in front of me, but how, what, what, how many passes did he throw? What's the most passes he threw in a game? Cade? I, I don't know. No, 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 no. Uh, Christian, Christian. Oh, probably five. Uh, Let, guys, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's stay within ourselves here, right? Yeah. Let's, not, like, let's not act like all of a sudden we're going to start <laughs> slinging the rock 20 times a game. No, you know, we're, not, we're not asking. I, I appreciate what you're saying, Sal, that Christian could throw the ball, uh, you know, pretty well. Uh, but – to say that all of a sudden we're going to have this massive drop. Like, I just think we've had enough experience now where we've had good players that have graduated and we thought to ourselves, oh, geez, like what's going to happen? And then, you know, a John Radigan comes in out of nowhere as a senior and, and plays his, out of his mind. Like, yeah. I, I just think we've built a culture mm-hmm. that we're not, you know, just hoping for a good year every year. We have these kids that are now filling – the, the empty roles that have been left by graduation. And, and that's part of the culture change. Yeah. And, and you know, like, okay, cool. Now so-and-so graduated, it's my shot. And I think these kids are coming in ready. They're coming in hungry. So I, I don't think where in years past, we're like, oh man, we got really lucky with that kid. And now we got to wait maybe three, four years for another one to emerge. seems like every year, a few players have more and more have supplanted themselves as, marquee players in our program a lot more than, you know, again, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. So I, I think that that'll be the case in the quarterback room as well. And I, I just, I, I think people for whatever reason, I don't know why, but people like to criticize Tyler. Uh, and I don't think they should at this point. I think he's, he's silenced a lot of doubters and um, <laughs> I, I think people, get upset when not every play is, is, is perfect. Uh, and, and no, no team is doing that. Alabama's not doing that. Uh, Ohio state's not doing that. And, and just like they're not army's not doing that. So uh, every play is not going to be a 10 yard gain and not every play is going to be a 10 yard loss either. I think we've just done a good job of showing that we are going to have more positive plays than, negative on both sides of the ball yeah we'll, we'll see how it and, plays out we'll see how it and, plays and out. one thing one thing about the the passing it, there are uh, i think the wide receiver room this year is particularly deep um between obviously you have isaiah alston but cam sure has been making away and stuff like that but you got to remember like these guys are not passing from the pocket it's always some kind of bootleg where they're not going to have a defender within five yards of them and then and, and the receiver isn't either. It's about being able to just hit the open guy. Um, I, I, I want to know what percentage of receptions last year had a defender within five yards of the receiver. I mean, yeah, 
No, that's not, the other thing. Many. There's many. usually a guy just streaking wide open, and, and I'm whoever that gentleman was who just gave me oh, that yeah. stat. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, you know, eight eight pass attempts a game. That's actually that's higher than I would have thought. Uh, and he averaged over six. Okay, but you play to your player's strengths. So you know, maybe we're going to see the ball a lot more on the outside, and, and Tyrell Robinson's going to get the ball a lot more than than he has in years past. I I don't know. I'm not, I I didn't sit in the offensive room all off season and, and break yeah. down film and, and scheme for the upcoming season. So I don't know what we'll, we will see. I just don't think we need to, to be worried that all of a sudden we're going to have this big drop off at quarterback. Cause Tyre Tyler can throw the ball folks. It's not like he has a noodle for an arm. Uh, and to James's point, it's, you don't have to throw a perfect pass when there's not anybody within seven or eight yards of the receiver. That's just the nature of the game. Yeah, no doubt. We had the one questionnaire, uh, Martin Hodell, who provided us those stats. Thanks, Martin. We appreciate that. Um, asking about uh, what's working. Are they working more triple option? What percentage of the running triple has gone over the years? More zone option, B-back runs, midline double. I think that, James, maybe you can, you know, ha- provide us with some of those. I mean, I, I, you wa- I watch the games, right? And I think that sometimes these it's less triple than in the past. Going back to the, you know, Sutton, Jim Young type of days, but I mean, it's it's sometimes it's more of a call. But maybe this year they'll be a little bit different than that because, like we said, they do have some slot back options. They do. I think maybe you'll see some little bit more gun maybe from them than they have in the past. And I think they'll because when defenses are scouting army, they they know pretty much their top their bread and butters, right? They know the bread and butters, so you have to like. You think they expanded the playbook or added some plays this year that'll keep, especially in week one, I would think, that keep people off guard. They're not going to empty it all in, against Coastal Carolina, right? But I think we'll see some uh, changes, different different plays. I don't know what your thought is. Um, so when it comes to Martin's question, I haven't seen the practices, so I don't know, you know exactly what they're working on. Um, he's right that uh, you know option plays have been going down. Um, 2020 really killed it. Cause you had that like basically non-existent fall camp um, before the season um, with really no spring camp because of COVID. Um, and so there was just no trust of on the, you know, on behalf of the, the offensive coaching staff that these kids were going to make the right reads when they hadn't been given a fair shot to learn. Um, so that really killed it. It, it you had a little bit of a resurgence last year. Um, it wasn't as bad as it as it was in 2020, um, but it certainly wasn't pre 2020 levels. Um, I I think you see more. Um, I think you see more of it. I think that it's more effective. I um, than just calling plays. Uh, and I think with the experience that this offense has, there is going to be a lot more trust. Um, for them to make good reads, uh, the, the the I would push back a little bit. Like the reason that Army's offense is, is effective is not because we have these tricky plays; it's because we do what we do very, very, very well. Um, mm-hmm. And and you don't like. I think that's a, 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 in in large part what happened in Navy. They had that Air Force game that was that shootout, that forty eight forty five game where they, it was just passing and trick plays nonstop all over the place, and it worked for that game. But then they kept practicing like that, and they kept doing stuff like that for years and years, 
see, you know, season after season. And now all of a sudden they can't do the basic stuff. Well, um, they don't, they're not blocking as well as they used to. They're not, you know, their fullbacks aren't picking up the, the yardage that armies are consistently. Right. So, um, I, I, I really think army just needs to focus on, on running the triple option really damn well. And mm-hmm. that's what, that's what pre- uh, presents opportunities to pass for 50 plus yards because somebody's eight yards open. You're not going to get somebody eight yards open unless you're getting those DBs and, and those linebackers to bite on every single play. Like they think there's a freight train full of Jacoby Buchanan coming right at them. Once you get them to bite, once they put 10 players in the box and they're all within four yards of line of scrimmage, that's when you can get a receiver wide open for eight yards. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch like the first game out, first series, even what the first, you know, when Darnell Wolfolk was playing, right? And they had those great years. I, you could almost predict that there was going to be a fullback dive on first down 90% of the time, right? Because Brett Davis wants to see how the defense was going to line up. He wanted to see how that went. And now we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm interested to see what the first play is going to be called of the uh, the 2022 20, uh, season. Guys, uh, when we had some. It's been great talking about the team going into this opener on Saturday night at Coastal Carolina. We appreciate everybody following us. We appreciate um, people joining us with questions. Um, maybe we could wrap it up with predictions. I, maybe it's not, not something that everybody wants to do, but just like record, how you think, uh, what kind of record or what kind of season um, Army's going to have, like wins, losses wise, and uh, maybe Commander in Chief's trophy. We haven't talked about air force much on this podcast that's fine and dandy that's a that's that's okay that they're gonna they're they'll be pretty tough you know we look at the 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 big games this year the opener against coastal right the home opener against texas san antonio at wake forest air force navy those are five really good teams um on on the schedule well four really good teams and a team that beat army last year and navy that you know army needs to prove you know wants to get that taste out of its mouth um Maybe start with James. Do you have any thoughts on like a record or fourteen and zero? Unless the committee is cowards, and then maybe thirteen and zero. But thirteen and zero, it is. Uh, Connor, I'm riding with James. I don't see us losing the game, <laughs> and I think I also don't think we're gonna all of a sudden get cute. Expect to see Jacoby Buchanan get the handoff first play of the game against Coastal, and he's Love going it. for three three yards at least. Brendan, you have a prediction. I'm going to say nine and four and hope I'm wrong. And uh, we do have another double digit season because I'd love to see it. Um, I guess, I guess kind of as like a final point talking about the offense, you know, I mean, like we've talked about the amount of weapons they have. And I guess like, I like, I will definitely be frustrated if it feels like we're not maximizing who we have on that side of the ball. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, beat them all. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll say a 10 win season is, is, is definitely possible. Um, the defense comes to play right away. And, you know, looking at what Nate Woody's done, uh, I, I wouldn't expect anything less. You, you lost some key guys in there, but like Connor was saying, there's guys that are there to step up and replace those guys. There's guys going to rotate at nose tackle from Nolan Cockrell. There's Calvin Crummy is a guy who uh, we mentioned about play, replacing Eric Smith. The guy who plays along Markel Broughton at safety is going to be pretty key, I think, to this defense. And whether that will be uh, Cordrell and Hammonds or DeAndre Tobias is probably one of those two right now. And they got a couple of young guys really coming up at, at, in the secondary for them. I think that can be really good players. So, um, yeah, I'm going 10 wins. Um, I, I'm going 10 wins. And I, I think that this year they'll – 
Air Force will be a tough game. I think they'll beat Air Force, and I think they're. I think they they're gonna. That's one of the goals every year is to win the Commander in Chief's Trophy. So I think that um, if they beat Air Force, they're they're definitely gonna. I think have their way with Navy uh, coming from last year. I know that's been a lot of motivation for these guys coming back. To that's a bad taste in their mouth. So we'll see how the season goes. But so Saturday night, seven o'clock, um, Brooks Stadium. Conway, South Carolina, the Black Knights take the field for their first game of the 2022 season. Black Knight Nation, I'll be there, um, hopefully getting some pregame stuff, hopefully getting some uh, postgame stuff, hopefully getting some uh, live game stuff, hopefully, uh, for you guys. Um, I'll uh, check out Black Knight Nation on uh, Twitter. Check out my personal Twitter account. Well, you'll see a lot of uh, content up there. Um, also, our, our Instagram, Black Knight Nation Instagram is, is getting hot. And uh, LinkedIn, you can follow me on LinkedIn or give me a connection. Sal Interdonado, that's been really good right now. Um, guys, before we leave, uh, maybe if you guys want, James, if you want to plug what you guys are doing over there at Ask for Sports and uh, Connor, if you want to plug anything, we'll, and Brendan, we'll, we'll get out of here. Yeah, as for football, uh, you find us on Twitter. Uh, join the First Club, uh, be in the Facebook group like Brendan. Um, and then uh, – uh, yeah, I'm Brigade Review. We got Dano and Jordan and Rob over there. Uh, we do uh, pre-game article, post-game article, and uh, two podcasts every week. So, Yeah, definitely follow those ads for football, guys. They do um, as good a job as anybody really covering everything, breaking it down, and also I, I think giving a, a good uh, fan perspective that I always enjoy consuming each and every week, uh, their previews and their recaps and their podcasts. So they do a great job over there. I am uh, at Captain Cons anywhere if you want to follow me, if you want to follow my uh, crazy optimistic army takes all season. And then also uh, Zero Blog 30, uh, the military podcast from Barstool Sports. We just sat down with interesting interview with David Faraday, who just went over to Live Golf. Uh, certainly everybody has an opinion about Live Golf. So yeah, that was an interesting interview in our episode that's live now. Uh, interview we did with uh, Colin O'Brady, who's a gentleman who walked by himself across Antarctica. Uh, and you're going to want to hear his story uh, as well. So uh, check us out at zero blog 30, anywhere podcasts can be downloaded. Very cool. Brendan, go ahead. Uh, well, as Bill Simmons likes to say, my fingers don't really work anymore, but I have an entire archive of uh, spoiler-free movie reviews at peopletalkingwhatever.com. Uh, I also have a couple of longer-form uh, Army football pieces on there that I self-published in the past few years. And uh, if you ever find your way out to the uh, Mahoning Drive-In Theater in Lehighton, Pennsylvania, which is right next to Jim Thorpe, uh, you may occasionally hear me uh, DJing in the pre-show. So uh, that's what I got going on. Very cool. Very cool. Guys, it's been a blast. Really, really appreciate your uh, perspective and input. And uh, we'll be back probably a, a Saturday night. Uh, hopefully be live from Conway with a, a victorious uh, post-game uh, Black Knight Nation podcast. So uh, thanks a lot for everybody following us. And uh, uh, go Army uh, beat Coastal Carolina. Beat them. Beat them. <laughs>